Hello everybody, welcome to the Boxing Science Podcast. Here's another Q&A session. This is from Instagram Live, where people ask me a whole range of questions on training and nutrition, specific to boxing and combat sports. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button and please share it with your friends, training partners, coaches or anyone that would be interested in training, nutrition, all specific to boxing and combat sports. Um, how would you condition a boxer who can't run due to an ankle injury? Um, we always have to adapt around injuries in boxing and when you've got training camp. Um, you know, there's no no substitute bench, as they say. So there's always like different ways how you can uh, condition a fighter without having to do running. So my first go-to place would be uh, doing like circuits. So doing stuff like battle ropes, medicine ball slams, um, burpees if they, if they can actually um, really drive through the ankle. If they're really struggling, then I wouldn't do that too much. And then I would be looking at the what bike, of course, it depends how bad the ankle injury is. Um, if it's only a mild one and the athlete can still run, but it's a little bit of a niggle, uh, we'd normally use like the altitude tent at Sheffield University. Obviously not many people have got access to this. So just trying to do some sort of conditioning at like lower intensity. So you've got to think about that impact forces coming through your ankle. And then um, if the ankle is really bad, can't really put any force through it, I would do some sort of like uh, swimming or some sort of like kind of uh, water uh, activity. You know, the under, they've got the underwater treadmill at the UFCPI. Obviously, not everybody's got access to this, but doing some sort of like kind of sprinting in the water, in shallow water, driving up knees online with hips, uh, that's probably the best way that I'd condition fire because. Even though the ankle, you're not actually putting loading through the ankle through swimming. There's a lot of kind of ankle activities you're kicking through the water. So, so yeah, that's a range of methods. First would be circuits. Second would be what bike or doing the uh, altitude tent, and then uh, last would be uh, swimming or some sort of kind of uh, underwater uh, conditioning method. Okay, Sam or Rogerson. What is the best way to improve uh, strength imbalance in my right leg? Well, first of all, you need to identify what is weak and what is uh, maybe tight and overactive in that right leg. Um, you know, it might be just a general balance issue, uh, or it could be uh, tightness in the hip flexors and weakness in the glutes, or it might be uh, weak and in inactive hamstring. So you've got to go through in a little bit of an assessment protocol on that. Um, doing a simple like kind of uh, single leg squat to stand assessment. Um, this is actually in our uh, boxing science uh, mobility handbooks and stuff like that, where you can assess uh, the knee alignment and that control and your trunk alignment. And that will tell you a lot about what is actually tight and, and underactive as well. And then you can actually target what is weak. So for example, the glutes, you do a lot of kind of like single leg glute bridges, uh, doing some banded side clams, a lot of banded sidewalks and glute activation work. Whereas like if it were a hamstring issue, you would do some like uh, single leg hamstring curls, single leg RDLs, stuff like that. So the first things first, 
assess because if you're not assessing you're guessing uh, and then you'd be able to identify that problem from a general standpoint if it's just generally uh, a little bit um, a little bit weaker than your left leg um, I would do some like tempo split squats uh, some uh, front foot elevated split squats as well so you can get nice and deep into that lunging pattern and uh, just to go for around about anywhere between 8 and 12 reps 3 to 4 sets and like I said go nice and slow control tempo on that as well Okay, advice on balancing uh, powerlifting and boxing so if you're doing it uh, from general uh, standpoint as in like you're, you're doing it to keep fit um, you would do powerlifting uh, in the morning and then boxing in the afternoon because boxing will take more out of your powerlifting than you would do um, like the other the other way around um, because boxing is more fatiguing and obviously powerlifting is more uh, new muscular uh, kind of strength and power sport um, you know you you won't be hitting your numbers as much if you do your boxing first so yeah so do your powerlifting in the morning boxing as a finisher or uh, in the afternoon in terms of if you're an athlete just make sure that you're not doing um, too much powerlifting because that doesn't meet the demands of your sport you've still got to fit in all your, your sparring your technique work with your coach uh, doing your running conditioning and your high intensity interval training as well so uh, at Boxing Science we only do two strength conditioning sessions a week and then we only do like one key lift so in them sessions so we do only do um, like deadlift for I mean key lift is in like a lower body full body exercise so one session we do a deadlift style exercise what the other ex the other session we do a, a squat squatting exercise so just making sure that you're not doing too much um, powerlifting or strength conditioning uh, because we don't want to take too much out of your actual boxing training okay do you uh, train hypertrophy um, I do for myself uh, but not for boxers um, only in certain situations maybe if people are, are moving up in weight categories or if they're needing to put on muscle mass in a certain area so we look to try and improve muscle mass of the lower body and the core but we can sometimes look at the upper body atrophy as well let's say if they're they're lacking in, in one arm they've got a balance between the left and the right arm we'd look to do put on some functional muscle mass we'd either do that through doing occlusion training or uh, doing some some light loaded kind of hypertrophy training but making sure that the we're not just putting unnecessary muscle mass on uh, unnecessary muscle bulk as this will affect their training but if you want to have a look at our article uh, if you type in boxing science gain muscle and speed we've got a range of different training methods and tips on how to put on muscle mass in boxing so next question is uh, advice for young and aspiring boxers is listen to your coach a lot of athletes don't end up listening to the coach got loads of loads of advice there loads of guidance always stick to what your coach is is telling you 
stay consistent because it don't matter how talented you are there's so many boxers that you see like kind of young boxers coming through kind of like start getting distracted around about 16 17 18 years old lots of going off in their lives there and seeing some very talented boxers not actually progressing to senior level amateurs or actually progress to professionals whereas like as a youngster the passion's there the the um the talent's there but you need to make sure that's consistent nothing's given you know you think that you find these child superstars in in any sport whether that's football or cricket or rugby there's always like them if you think about it there's always them standout athletes that you think they're definitely going to go on to play professional whatever sport that they're doing but it doesn't always work out that way because it's a uh, talent isn't enough so keep working hard listen to the guidance and it's a long journey okay this is a good one musab d how healthy is fasting um and boxing workouts and then eat during the night so obviously uh fasting there's a lot of kind of stuff over the internet at the moment about kind of doing fasted sessions and everything like that and doing intermittent fasting i'd say that you need to make sure that you're fueling up for your sessions because as soon as your muscles are fatigued they haven't got that energy um they'll start super compensating um cramping up this is when injuries can happen so the best kind of um like reduction uh, so injury prevention will be to make sure that you're fueled up for your sessions the most injuries that we see at boxing science happen when an athlete is in a, in a large calorie deficit so if you're going in a calorie deficit all the way through the day through fasting you're going to be um depleting your muscles and then potentially you could be getting injured especially when you're doing something high impact plus you need to make sure that you're boosting your recovery so you need to make sure that you're getting them uh, recovery meals in uh, rehydrating in the right way uh, refueling in the right way as well so i wouldn't necessarily even though that there's health benefits to doing fasting i wouldn't say that uh, it is ideal for boxers uh, bethune alex um been following you uh, since lockdown and love the content appreciate the support thank you very much Okay, another question from uh, Bethune Alex. Uh, when training fighters, do you target strength training, uh, weights with progressive overload to increase power? So there's a range of different ways that we target uh, strength, speed and power um, at Boxing Science. We go down something called the, the force velocity curve or the load velocity curve. And we work on max strength which is like high forces, but low velocities. And then we work at um, like, well, it's still high forces, but uh, low external load and high velocities. So that's something like a landmine punch throw, medicine ball punch throw, or something with no resistance whatsoever, which is like a, a jump or uh, doing sprint training or doing pad work as well. So we make sure that we're working down this low velocity 
continuum. Equally, to shift the curve to the right to make sure that our athletes are strong, fast and explosive as well. But the main thing is for boxers is that they are more prone to be working down this end of the continuum, working on speed because of their, you know, they're not wanting to lift heavy weights because they might think that it's, it slows them down. Also in their strength training history, they might have done it as like circuits and not lifted that heavier weight. So their low velocity continuum isn't really equal, equal uh, across the board. They're more kind of speed dominant rather than being force dominant. So our job initially is to get them strong. So to improve their strength, their maximum strength, and then start working down the curve to make them an explosive fire. That takes around about a year to do. There's some ways that we can encourage speed, but we only do that like towards a taper. So maybe like two or three weeks out from a fight. But the majority of the first few camps is to work on them foundational movement patterns, build foundational strength, build that maximum strength and excel in there before that we move on to more explosive actions. Uh, how do you push athletes in the weight room without having your athletes gain too much weight? So there is things that we need to avoid um, in terms of like when we're training, we don't want to be doing too high volume. Um, the typical range for hypertrophy is between eight and 12 repetitions. However, this is like based off like doing quite a few different sets and you need to have like a target rep range for the full session. So that might be um, like 80 to 120 reps in that session. So when we structure our program, we make sure that the rep ranges that they're hitting each body group is like something like 20 to 30, maybe even tops 40 repetitions in total on, on that particular muscle group. So we're well understimulating our fighters for muscular hypertrophy. Um, in terms of like strength, um, you know, we're working on high weight loads, but in a training camp, they only like do this for like three to four weeks. Uh, push, they're going to do maximum strength training for like five weeks. So that's, that's the biggest kind of risk that we carry at Boxing Science in terms of like increasing muscular hypertrophy. But we're only doing it for a very limited amount of time. To put on one kg of, of muscle mass, it's going to take a lot longer than five weeks, especially at our limited rep ranges and total reps in the session. And also, they're going to be in a calorie deficit. So to put on muscle mass, you need to be um, in a positive energy balance. So your muscles are refeeding, regenerating, and being able to... Uh, get bigger and this is a way to increase muscular hypertrophy but our boxers are making weight so you know it's not a massive risk you've just got to make sure that you're getting your athletes moving well strong and then being able to move fast in terms of muscular hypertrophy 
if we don't train like bodybuilders, if we're not doing that for too long and making sure that we're in that calorie deficit to make sure that we're losing weight, putting on uh, muscle isn't really that risky. So I hope that's answered your question. I think that might have been the, uh, the long way around. Hopefully you get a good idea of how beneficial strength and conditioning can be to boxers and not being detrimental in, in terms of putting on muscle mass. That brings us to the end of, of this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. If you have any questions about the topics raised during this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us either on boxing.sci at gmail.com or on Instagram at boxingscience. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, which is Boxing Science, and our online membership, boxingscience.co.uk. We have a brand new section to our Boxing Science membership, Lockdown Workouts, where we share a range of different exercises and full workouts based on limited equipment or zero equipment. So no matter what access to facilities you have, there's a range of workouts that can help get you fitter, faster and stronger during lockdown. If you're regular to the Boxing Science podcast and you're liking the content so far, please leave us a review. Hopefully you're going to be leaving a five-star review because this will help us grow our podcast, which will in turn help us develop more content for you to share the Boxing Science training methods and research. Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode.